0: Hello and welcome to Talking Europe. My guest has one of the most challenging and wide-ranging roles at the European Commission. Maros Shevchovic is the Executive Vice President in charge of the European Green Deal, Interinstitutional Relations and Foresight. But his overall responsibilities stretch to no fewer than 26 policy areas. Many of those have to do with the European Green Deal, carbon emissions, and the energy transition. In the UK, he is known as the Brexit negotiator who helped to secure an agreement after nearly seven years of talks with one newspaper dubbing him Mr. Fix-It. Um, epithets in other media have included Laser Eye and Big Marosh. Um, I hope you don't <laughs> mind me calling that. Uh, so, Mr. Šefčovič is a veteran of the European Commission, having first been appointed in 2009 before that he was Slovakia's permanent representative to the EU and Slovakia's ambassador to Israel. Uh, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for the kind invitation. So on the European election campaign which France 24 is marking the start of our coverage really now, uh, how crucial do you think this election is compared to previous ones?
1: I, I think that uh, with every as we just see uh, the importance is growing, and especially uh, let's be honest, I'm uh, European, uh, especially Europeans went through the very difficult uh, five years we had. Uh COVID-19 crisis, uh, we have wars which are so close to European uh, borders like never since Second World War. And of course, uh, every household is coping with uh, high prices uh, of energy as, uh, and we are still battling inflation. So it was very difficult period. And I think that these two crises clearly demonstrated that if you want to overcome them, we have to work more closely together as Europeans, that uh, nobody is going to give us any presence in this very tough geopolitical world that Europe has to be standing on its own feet therefore we push so much for the strategic autonomy and we need for this very important step the support of our citizens and therefore I would like also to to thank you and uh, Franz Van culture to make uh, the point of increasing the participation in European election one of the key points of our discussions because it's it's very crucial and we need to do our utmost to reach out to European citizens
0: y- you wrote in a book ten years ago called driving the EU forward straight talk <laughs> with Maros uh, Shevcevic. Uh, you said pro-EU, f- e- pro-EU forces have to take the lead. There's no alternative, not just as a one-off in an election campaign, but between elections. When you see the latest polls with, for example, Identity and Democracy, at the moment, according to one poll in third place, do you think there's been perhaps a failure of campaigning by pro-EU forces between elections?
1: I think that... Uh, um we feel that there is this increased anxiety uh, mm. among our citizens, and I feel it in our uh, discussions with them, uh, partially caused by this crisis I mentioned, but also uh, they see how the world became a rougher place. Uh, they are afraid about the future of their children not only because of the climate crisis, but also about the ava- availability of jobs, if the jobs, if the people have the right skills. So it's, I would say a lot of... Uh, uh, very difficult issues which are kind of piling up uh, on on every family, and therefore I think uh, that more engagements, more dialogue with the citizens, more outreach—it's uh, indeed very very necessary. And, and the fact is that we've been doing a lot of firefighting, a lot of crisis management. Mm-hmm over the last uh, five years and by actually I think doing very very decent job we increased the expectations of our city if you could deal with uh, uh, you know uh, uh, the common purchase of, uh, of vaccines why can't you do more with the common purchase of gas you know if we, if we manage to deal uh, with uh, making sure that Europe would be united in our discussions uh, with the UK or demonstrated that strong support for Ukraine we want You to do more, and uh, therefore I would say the expectations have been really growing over the last four or five years, and now we will have to also uh, have that very honest discussion with the European citizens. We could do more if we would have a political support, if we would have also a little bit more financial means for everything what, what is expected and that would be, I would say, uh, the task for all of us uh, between now and the European uh, Parliament elections.
0: Let's talk a bit, a bit about the Green Deal, because obviously a lot of your responsibilities in the Commission have to do with that. There was uh, an analysis by the European Commission in December which showed quite alarmingly that the EU is not on course to meet its targets for 2030, that on carbon emissions, instead of achieving Achieving a 55% reduction, actually the EU is on course to, re- to re- uh, achieve a 51% mm. reduction. What would that 4% difference mean, do you think, in practical terms?
1: I think that um, um, it would it would mean that uh, um, we, didn't job, we didn't do our job uh, uh, thoroughly enough, and therefore what is happening right now is that uh, we are in very intensive interaction with uh, our member states because all of them been asked to developed uh, so-called uh, national energy and climate plans, but we would like to discuss with them how each one of our member states is going to contribute to this uh, collective goal yeah. of 55%. Uh, so we still have a time until June, I believe, that we'll, we'll be there. But, but, but what some countries didn't actually submit their analysis
0: on true. time. That's true. So we how, still... Yeah. How, is that a big problem that, that you didn't get the reporting on all uh, of this?
1: I, I think, I mean, it's, it's a big problem. I mean, you might have, you know, uh, different reasons for that. Somewhere we just have uh, elections. You have a new government or the new government is uh, formed. So I don't think that it's some kind of uh, deliberate uh, omission. So usually there is a political reason behind that. But but the fact is that what we what we really need uh, uh, now is to share the, the expertise uh, and to work on this uh, common common ambition and. Uh, also to bring much more in the citizens, uh, the businesses, industries, and I would say also farmers because, because now we are getting into the next phase of the Green Deal. We roll out our legislative plans. We have, I think, the best legislation in the world if it comes to the Green Deal. But how we are going to implement it, how mm. we will be careful about every detail, every aspect to make sure that what we want to achieve uh, Uh, has, I would say, the business element in it. So there is a business case uh, behind our policies that we have this general support and that we engage with our partners. So we started with the green dialogues with our citizens and we also started with so-called clean transition dialogues when we are sitting together with our president, with Ursula von der Leyen, with, let's say, representatives of energy-intensive industry or hydrogen producers, and we are talking with them what is bothering you, what is the problem, why, why you think of this and that is so difficult just to get also the first sense from them what needs to be recalibrated, what needs to be adjusted and I think this will have to be very intense process until we get uh, to 2030.
0: Speaking of industries and also strategic autonomy which you mentioned earlier, uh, your uh, college of commissioners has launched an investigation into cheap Chinese electric vehicles uh, flooding, according to what some would say, uh, the European market. Are you in favor of tougher action against China?
1: I think we we have to be very clear on, on this one. We cannot, uh, uh, let's say, afford a second, uh, second solar panel story. I mean, it was our innovation, our invention. Uh, and then uh, because of the, I would say, uh, dumping policies, uh, were uh, heavily subsidized Uh, panels from China completely wiped out uh, our solar industry. In Europe we cannot repeat the same such an important segment uh, of our economy how the car industry and and I want to make sure and together the whole College of Commissioners and and I'm sure that also leaders of Europe that the best safest uh, the most sustainable cars in the world will continue to be manufactured and made in Europe and therefore we just want to see and we want to investigate what are the uh, what are the subsidies? what mm. is the the, the support uh, yeah. these Chinese manufacturers are getting from the government, so we would have level playing field not only in Europe but also on the on the global scale
0: but can you imagine punitive measures though because if it's, if there isn 't a threat of something then it 's not going to stop presumably
1: we are We mm. are not there yet because also this uh, uh, investigation it, it, it takes a time we want really to do the thorough job. Uh, we are also uh, communicating uh, on, on uh, this on uh, different levels also with our Chinese uh, counterparts. Uh, we just want to have a, a first system. But of course, if you would see that there is a persistent uh, uh, huge uh, subsidies uh, policy toward uh, uh, you know, providing uh, uh, this assistance to the Chinese car industry at the expense of European manufacturers, we will have to act. We'll have to act.
0: Um, just a, a word on Brexit. How well do you think the deal that you helped to put in place between the EU and Britain, how well do you think it's working now?
1: I have to say that there is clearly a sea change uh, uh, in the mood and quality of relationship between uh, UK and uh, European Union. I mean, we had very difficult times uh, uh, since uh, the referendum on, on, on Brexit, and I'm, I'm very glad that... Uh, Uh, The last year, we found the solution in the form of Windsor framework. It it dramatically calmed down the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. We've been, of course, been working very hard with our UK partners to make sure that UK will become, again, the part of the biggest uh, research and innovation program in the world, uh, Horizon Europe, and they are now part of it. And uh, what we agreed with uh, my then partner, James Cleverley, now my partner is uh, David Cameron, the ex-Prime <laughs> yes. Minister and now Foreign Secretary, we agreed that before any of our mutual issues would hit the headlines, we'll try to solve it before. We, yeah. We'll use all our expertise just to focus on solving the problems before it becomes political. one And and it it works.
0: Do you get the sense that the things that were unfinished in that deal, for example, financial services, is there any political will to complete
1: those uh, areas? I think we are very honest with our uh, British partners because uh, we are telling them that unless they're the key parameters of of Brexit, meaning that they don't want to be part of the single market, they they don't want to be part of our customs union, and they cannot accept uh, Uh, the role of the European Court of uh, Justice in the dispute settlement mechanisms. The trade and cooperation agreement is the best uh, uh, we have. It's, I think, very wind-raging agreement, and I have to say that we are still exploring the full potential for closer cooperation in different areas. So we'll do our best, but once the parameters are there, there would be, I would say, the natural limitations of how far we can go, even with the best political will.
0: We'll have to end it there. Thank you so much for being my guest, Maros Šefcović, who is the Executive Vice President of the European Commission. Thank you for watching this interview, and I'll be back after a short break for the second part of Talking Europe.